Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Today is, for us as Catholics, a very special feast day. That's the beautiful thing about being a Catholic, Terry. Absolutely. Is that we're always celebrating something because there's always <laughs> something to there's always some, something to celebrate in Catholicism. Amen. We've been brother. around for two thousand years. Feast day of Our Lady of Sorrows. Pray for, for us. Uh, I'll be giving a reflection on that. Hey, and, Jess, uh, let me I, just I'm jump sure in. A lot to say too. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to jump in. I got Doctor Anthony Duke. He's going to be here for the second, third, and fourth segment. But he's here for the gospel and for Sheen. And Doctor Duke is a psychiatrist. And I, so many people are constantly asking me and Jess. Hey, can you, uh, you know, because like Dr. Sandoval is so darn busy, it's difficult to get him all in. So Dr. S- uh, Duke has been with us for 25 years. I've known him for a long time. And I just want to expose what his services are available to people. He does things through Zoom. So before we get to introduce the good doctor, I just want to give some uh, good news stories, Jess. I, yeah. I love this. This is I can't beat this one. West Virginia legislators have passed a total ban on abortion, paving the way to become the second state to outlaw the medical procedure in the wake of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Wow. So praise God for that, Jess. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good hey, news, we'll man. take it, Terry. Every any, little, any little victory we'll take. Amen, brother. You got some good news before we get to the gospel, uh, Jess? N- no, I'll, I'll go right to the gospel. Terry, today, both gospels really talk about La- Our Lady of Sorrows. That's you right. Ha- there, there is an option, A or B. That's and right. I think they're, they're both short. Yep. So I'm going to share both of them because, Good. because the theology that I want to share comes, yeah. it, it's, it's a combination of both Gospels. Amen. So, uh, in today's Holy Mass, there was two Gospels that the priest could use. Number one was John chapter 19, 25 to 27. Mm-hmm. It reads, Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples there, whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Took her into her home. Oh, yeah, this that. is a classic apologetics verse from the Catholic, it, Protestant brother. debate. <laughs> yeah, when a Protestant says something like, uh, yeah, I'm a disciple of of of, of Christ. Uh, I don't I don't, I don't t- have anything to do with Mary. She's irrelevant. You would just point them to this Bible verse and say, well, it says here that at that hour the disciple took her into his home. So, Mister Protestant, if you're a disciple of Christ, yeah, you take Mary into your home. Of course. Here's a here's another apologetic uh, moment here. Good. Where you find Jesus giving his mother to John the Apostle, and you find uh, John giving uh, him over to Mary as a son. Mm-hmm. It's at that moment that most of the fathers of the church that I've read, the, the unanimous consent of the fathers, they said at that moment, that's when it was clear that Mary became mother of the church, the new Eve, the mother of the new covenant. It was at that moment at the words of Christ. Now, the second uh, reading that was optional today was, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 33 to 35, Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. And it be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword, will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The gospel 
of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a, here's a Father Chad Ripperger exegesis, who's a Thomistic philosopher. Yep. He says, he sa- he, he says that it was n- n- at this moment when Mary was suffering under the foot of the cross, seeing what happened to her son, and she was also participating. She was offering her son back as well, as painful as that was, back to the father. Father Ripperger says it was at that moment that she merited all the graces, all the graces at that moment for the entire world. Wow. And so what that means <laughs> is that the Holy Trinity, whether you know this or not, when the grace comes from the Godhead, it comes through Mary, the mediatrix of all graces. Yep. Even a Protestant, whether he knows it or not, you know, a Protestant pastor, when he prays to Jesus, prays to God the Father, prays to the Holy Spirit, he will know at his judgment, particular judgment, yep. that the grace he received in all his prayers, it came through Mary, the mediatrix of all graces. And Father Ripperger says it was at the foot of the cross, he says, where she merited that title, Our Lady of Sorrows, mother of the, the, the mother of the church, and also uh, mediatrix of all graces. And what's interesting here is you could actually see where where Simeon says, and you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So mystically, Mary's heart's going to be pierced when she sees what they do to her son. But what's that going to do? So that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So what does that mean? Father Ripperger explains that the, the... our Lady of Sorrows, under that title specifically, when you ask, for example, there's, there's, there's a sin in your family, and there's a sin that's plaguing your family, a vice, generational spirits that's plaguing the family, a person, or somebody in your family line. If you want to know what sin is plaguing your family line, Father Ripperger says, you pray a nine-day novena, to Our Lady of Sorrows. Because according to the church's tradition, because Our Lady went through different sorrows, she merited different things. And so one of the things that she merited while standing beneath the cross was the ability to reveal things, and she knows more than anyone else in heaven except for God himself because of her closeness to God. So Our Lady is the one to go to for secret knowledge. Father will put all the people that are possessed, he'll put them on this protocol to do a nine-day novena so that Mother Mary could reveal to them what type of diabolical spirit they had, how it came into the family line, and, uh, and, and who in the family got afflicted. So, again, this is the prophecy of Simeon. Yep. So if there's something that you need to know that's hidden... Go to her specifically under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows. She will reveal it to you. She'll give you the graces to reveal the roots of these problems since her heart was pierced so that ours would be exposed and wow. revealed. Terry? Beautiful, Jesse. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Full Sheen ahead. This is Bishop Sheen saying, As all men are touched by God's love, So all are touched by the desire for his intimacy. No one escapes the longing 
We are all kings in exile. And I love this. Miserable without the infinite. Repeat that. I'll repeat that again. Miserable without the infinite. Those who reject the grace of God have a desire to avoid God as those who accept it have a desire for God. You know what? Bishop Sheen said it well. The only value in saying yes to Jesus Christ is you have freedom to say no. It's free will. Yeah. Amen. Yes, I'm amazed. It just we got a little time before we get the break. I'll, I'll, Dr. Bring, the good doc, I'll yeah. bring in the good doctor yeah, right Dr. now. Yeah, Dr. Duke, uh, psychiatrist, friend of the show here at the uh, Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show, my friend. Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have you. Years ago, we had you. I'm going to say 10 years ago, Jesse, it's been. Yeah, I know. We, Unbelievable. We, we, we need to have them over and over and often. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Dr. Duke, you're doing good work. I... I, I uh, I'm so grateful to for what you're doing for the body of Christ and for the common good at large. Thank you. But uh, let's get let's get right into it. There's sure. a lot of questions I want to ask you because sure. things have really changed in the last ten years since oh, we yeah. last talked. They have. So let me ask you: Is the National Association for Reparative Therapy? It's still around. I used to follow them back in the '80s and '90s. They were from Joseph Nicolosi. When I lived in California, I heard they got thrown out. That reparative therapy illegal. Is, uh, are they still around? Tell us about it. The National Association for Research and Therapy for Homosexuality has now changed its name to Alliance for Therapeutic Choice ah, okay. and Scientific Integrity. Good. I like that title. ECSI. Yeah. And it's still um, headed by the same leadership uh, as previously was at North. Uh, Nicolosi Jr. is still involved <laughs> greatly. Awesome. And he, um, it, uh, it has the same um, uh, drives to help those who have unwanted same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. And um, Nicolosi Jr. actually has a therapy called reintegrative therapy, which is very successful. And he's still working out of uh, the Aquinas Psychological Institute that his father founded in, in, in Sino. That's awesome. You know, doctor. Well, well, give me the give me the name of that again, uh, doctor. You, you what's the full name of, of that institute? Because people ask. Aquinas Psychological Institute. Aquinas Psychological Institute. Got Good. It. We need to know that. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget back in the 80s when Dr. Nicolosi used to come to my uh, my uh, backyard to record cassette tapes uh, trying to help people with same-sex attraction. That was about 40 years ago. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, doctor, you, you probably heard of, of, of a guy named... Uh, he was a very famous homosexual. Yeah. Terry, he's worked, he's worked for Church Milton for a while. He's We've had him on the show. What's his name... Uh, that young blonde guy uh, that oh um, Polo, um he's famous he's a uh, uh, uh Nicol- no Nicolo yes. what's his name Say, doc Milo Milo yes Milo Yiannopoulos. To, to me it seems like as I we even Terry we've talked to him oh, yeah, it seems like he had some type of so this type of therapy that was done because he's a big advocate now for reparative therapy I just want to ask you do you know well to me I think he'd be that's a teaser. Milo, yeah. we'll talk about yeah. Milo when we he, come he's back. One of, he'll be one of your greatest cheerleaders. Yeah, we'll come right oh, back. Yeah. Uh, ask you a question, Milo. You're, t- you're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dr. Duke is here with us talking about psychiatry. Stay with us, family. We're going to get an answer to that question here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 888- Five two six two one five one. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse's show. We're here with Dr. Anthony Duke, a psychiatrist. And we're talking, there's a lot of questions we have to ask him because, uh, unfortunately, yep. 
the medical profession, big pharma, even psychiatry, psychology, a lot of them are woke, and it's very difficult to <laughs> sift through the nonsense and, and who to trust. This is one of the trusted resources of the Terry and Jesse show of Virgin Most Powerful Radio because he's a practicing Catholic. Yep. So, Dr. Anthony, uh, do you know how... I didn't, I didn't ask him, but I could tell just by a lot of things that he's told me that he was, uh, he was healed by using Catholic principles and also by, uh, by using a lot of the principles uh, that from North, from, yeah. from that organization North. Because he, he told me, he goes, oh yeah, he says, I was on that website all the time talking to, uh, I guess, Dr. Nicolosi's son. And uh, I just immersed myself in the Catholic lifestyle, and I just uh, started doing with what I, I read on that website, and I got completely, uh, I got completely healed, uh, and it, it it just restored intellectual and psychological and physical order back into my life. Do you know anything about uh, how Milo got healed? No, I don't. I do know that he has been um, involved in that kind of a lifestyle, but now he's no longer that way. And yep. I'm really happy that he's involved with Church Militants, a great group, um, Michael Boris. But I don't know much more details about how he became um, um, healed and yeah. and better in his view. Got it. Do- Doc, let me ask you this. Where was the homosexual transgender ideology planned and implemented? That's the question that comes up. Yeah. Ground zero. Where was ground zero? Yeah. Slowly and insidiously. Yeah, insidious. Uh, definitely in the 60s with Woodstock and definitely okay. with the, the view of sex as just for pleasure, hedonism, and no longer about procreation. And that just opened the floodgates of people doing whatever they want mm. to get that, that high yeah. of uh, sexual release and orgasm. Um, but politically, in the early 70s, a man named Frank Kamini uh, is the one who started this group uh, of trying to get the, the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, to change the definition of the DSM-3 uh, to remove homosexuality as a disorder. Mm. And that was a slow, gradual process where they used a lot of um, a deception. One of them was they sent out a mailer on the letterhead of the American Psychiatric Association stating to all the members, which about was, I think, 25,000 at the time, uh, the APA is thinking of reconsidering homosexuality as no longer being a disorder. What do you think? Should we do that? Yes or no? And already the the way the question was phrased is it was saying that the leadership is already thinking about changing it. Wow. But the leadership never sent that letter out. They just took the letterhead and just put their, their own thing. And then all these people sent in their responses. Well, yeah, well, you guys are saying it's no longer. Yeah, well, that's fine. And they all, like, more than 50% said, yeah, we should change it. And they used that then to petition and to change the, de- the definition of homosexuality as a disorder in the DSM-4. And gradually, it, it slowly moved with also a, a Robert Spitzer, a very big name in psychiatry hmm. who helped the uh, LGBT forces to slowly move away from homosexuality as a mental disorder towards this gradual social acceptance. And, and he had a lot of pressure in fact, towards the end of his life, he actually was trying to figure out, what have I done? And he did a, a telephone survey of those who were homosexual and tried to ask them, have you been involved in any kind of therapy to help with understanding the core origins of why you are same-sex attracted? And did that therapy help? A majority of those patients responded, yes, I, wow. I have been helped. He presented that and, they, and all the LGBT, they, 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 you're a traitor, what are you doing? 
they pressured him. Then he said, well, maybe they got pressured by me and maybe they weren't really responding uh, appropriately. So he changed his findings because people were pressuring him to say, that can't be right. Incredible. Wow. Yes. Yeah, let's put it, uh, there is a lot of political lobbying. Pressure. There's a lot of intimidation. Yeah. Uh, and, and there was all, all, also just... Um, I also did read that, uh, you know, they, they're using Marxist tactic, tactics against him. People were uh, going in front of his house with signs and picketing and just intimidating him. I mean, how do you like to have 20, 30 people in front of your house calling you names with signs on the sidewalk and, uh, and, and, and just intimidating you that you better change your position? So, yeah, this is the, the, the left doesn't play fair. And, and I, think, uh, I think this is why Robert Spitzer, in, in, in part, this is why he, uh, he caved in. Uh, another question is: um, Is one of the the weapons that they use is the whole again the whole LGBT community? That's that's just kind of the the big umbrella here. Is one of their weapons that they use is what I would call verbal engineering? Mm-hmm. They like to redefine sexual and gender terms, and they pour new meanings into these words. Is that one of their weapons? Definitely. This is from the California Teachers Union. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They now have five genders. <laughs> Gender nonconforming, ambigender, whose pronouns are they, them, and theirs, agender, pronouns of Z, here, hears, and herself. Gender fluid, pronouns are fluctuate, questioning, gender in process or unrealized, on top of male and female. And so for a kid... They have these these images of gender persons describing who you're attracted to, who you're romantically attracted to, what is your biological sex, what's your gender expression, what's your gender identity. They're just trying to figure out how to play hopscotch yeah. or, or you know multiplication tables. Who has time for this? It's just it's just much more simpler than this. And they definitely hijack definitions as Thomas Cezas, a very famous psychiatrist in our in our world, infamous psychiatrist. He said words. Or reality, and when you change the words, you change reality. You control the conversation, and that's just the just that's this is the way that they they operate. Doctor yeah, uh, Rush Limbaugh used to always say, "Words mean things," you know. Yeah. And he was again, he was one of the greatest uh, communicators yeah. in our lifetime. And this is the the power of words; uh, they can they can build up or they can tear down. And doc, Doctor Bernard Nathanson, who who got abortion. Uh, approved throughout America said exactly the same thing. They need to, uh, you know, genetically engineer words to mean different things. And so this is the same situation. Doc, what are the major cultural, social attitudes that gave us this idea that sex is for recreation and has nothing to do with procreation? So it's recreational sex. It seems like that's where it's so prevalent the last 40, 50 years. Well, I think first the movement away from God and thus the, the lack of an understanding that there is an absolute and objective reality and there's yeah, a way yeah. to live. Yeah. And that is actually what uh, Jesse was talking about earlier is psychiatry and medicine devoid of God becomes hijacked and, and becomes whatever we want to define as illness becomes whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And there's no longer an objective finding uh, that we can then move towards. Because it, 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 orthopedics, for example, is very simple. You see a broken arm. It's not supposed to be broken, but the bone's supposed to be one piece. Yeah. You fix it. But what is the, the mind that's unbroken? We no longer know that definition of normal anymore. And that becomes a huge issue of, of 
moving away from an understanding of how we should live because there's no longer God involved in our lives. And then we have this situation where people just do whatever they want. And so sex, for example, becomes for procreation also just because hedonism, epicureanism, uh, following pleasure only, and no longer having to do consequential uh, analysis of their actions. And that's where the, the one-night stands go and the polyamory and the sure. polygamy. Um, so the lack of God is one thing that led to what we see nowadays. And then just general in- effeminacy, watching TV all the time, the sitcoms, Seinfeld and Friends and no longer rosary praying, no longer reading the newspaper, no longer family games, no longer bonding of any kind of sort. It's just pleasure, mm-hmm. avoidance of pain, avoidance of hardship, and mm-hmm. no character formation. And that leads to, again, just seeking pleasure. And the, and the, and the, the, the culture we have nowadays of casual hookups and uh, sex culture. Um, then, of course, then you have abortion and contraception, just making things easier for people to have no consequences to their actions. Yeah. Wow. Doctors, uh, this uh, this whole notion, which is it's very American as a result of uh, the Hollywood media, that's just it just basically, you know, reprograms people on how to think and, and behave. But you'll see that the 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 media, it trains people, especially men, to view people as sexual objects and it's brainwashed many Americans to view the opposite sex as merely utilitarian sexual objects. I mean, uh, Woodstock obviously played a part in this. You also have the, uh, uh, you know, the the whole hippie era, the whole uh, free love movement. Uh, you also have uh, uh, j- just uh, the probably the music genre already in back in the sixties that started coming out that was a little bit edgy. Uh, but is that where we're at right now? Have we been trained or programmed to view each other, not with a biblical, not with biblical eyes as our brother and sister, my brother's keeper, but to look at people as sexual objects and, 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 and we have this utilitarian view, uh, what can they do for me? Oh, definitely. You hit it right on the, the head there, uh, Jesse, um, Sex sells consumerism. Exactly. You, you, no matter where you look, I mean, just driving here to the radio station, I saw billboards of just scantily clothed people and um, just just advertising for nightclubs and and just, it's just horrible. Yeah. And and when you have this kind of situation where uh, kids, for example, even they're being um, predisposed to these kind of this is important for me to show certain part, parts of my body or just the, like you mentioned, music, Malcolm Moore, Lady Gaga. All the different role models in Hollywood, they're just divorce, remarriage, um, girlfriend, boyfriend, back and forth. You have people like uh, um, Ellen, uh, I think her name was Ellen Page. Now she's, she goes by Elliot Page, the actress who became transgender and got uh, the surgeries. Yeah. All these different people who kids look up to. And these are the people that they, 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 they want to follow. And it, it, it just programs them to think, we are just our bodies. And again, you have no, no God anymore. So there's no more sense of eternity. There's no more sense of the soul. It's just whatever I want is, is, is whatever is, is right and yeah. whatever feels right. And that's what leads to um, this, 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 like, these lifestyles of seeing people as just objects and just for pleasure. Doc, let me jump in and just say, if people wanted to get in contact with you, I know you do Zoom counseling. We have lots of people looking for help. How can they contact you for that? Metamorphic Psychiatry. So metamorphicpsych at gmail.com. 
909-588-9275. Got it. That's important. Doc, on a side note, we're going to take a quick break in a minute, but uh, I just, people are texting me again, asking me about what's going on with this COVID lockdown and what about mental illness? Is there, are there issues that you've seen in the last two years that you didn't see as much because of the lockdowns? I hope uh, you can answer that question and then we'll get back to this issue on uh, the uh, homosexuality. But this is something a customer's asking us right now regarding what you know has happened with the, the wearing of masks. Has that affected the kids? Has it affected uh, the interaction with um, other kids because they haven't had the socialization? How has that affected them? And much, much more. When we come back, Dr. Anthony Duke will answer those questions and many more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay tuned and don't turn that dial. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We have Dr. Anthony Duke, psychiatrist here. And I asked the question at the, at the last break, what has gone on in the sense of the effect that this COVID, two years of people not going to school, wearing masks, um, not getting uh, their medical attention. How does that affect us mentally? Mentally, when people are not allowed to do certain things like go to school, engage in social activities, yeah. visit friends as much, and they don't have as much contact with um, their social supports, it leads to increases in mental health problems. In fact, there's been increases in depression, isolation. Um, there hasn't been an increase in net amounts of suicide, per se, but... Um, drug overdoses. Uh, there was a, a random screen of 500,000 urine drug screens that showed an increase in fentanyl, methamphetamine, oh, yeah. and cocaine from the 10 to 30 percent increase over the average. So isolation has led to more substance use. It's led to more uh, overdoses. Overdoses back in the day, uh, two years ago, I believe were in the uh, 75,000 range. Now it's 100,000 have died of overdoses wow. in America. Uh, just because of COVID. So that's a 25% increase um, since COVID, uh, opiates being the, the greatest one. Alcohol sales have increased by 25%. Wow. The kids who normally didn't have good social supports, yeah, not being able to go to school, they've increased in their, their self-harm, uh, their self-suicidal uh, oh. ideation. Average steps of the average U.S. citizen has decreased from 10,000 to 4,600, while well, internet FaceTime use has increased by by double, is now five hours a day because of COVID. Wow. And so these have all led to isolation, job loss, worrying, um, difficulty sleeping, poor eating, weight gain. And that leads to then um, just more presentation to us. We've seen a huge amount of patients overloading our therapists and our psychiatrists. We are backed up like by two or three months right now. Wow. We I've been referring people for counseling through telehealth because the, the local areas in Southern California are just inundate, inundated with referrals. Yep, makes sense. Jess? Yeah, Dr. Duke, uh, on, 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 a, on a similar note, uh, another question that I have is, when do you think that there was a cultural acceptance of homosexuality? When did the dam break where people just threw their hands up in the air and says, you know what, 
There's nothing wrong with this. Just let them do what they want. When did that cultural paradigm occur? I think in the 70s when the APA said it's no longer a disorder. Uh, and then in psychiatry being, I believe, I believe the tip of the spear of this cultural battle, we just, we, we, we've dropped the, we've dropped the ball. Yep. Psychiatry, mental health, we define if we choose to, what is normal? Because again, psychiatry medicine without God is, is according to the Hippocratic Oath, we're, we're just doing whatever we want. Yeah. We become the, the definers of objective reality, what is normal. And that is very, very dangerous. It becomes whatever the person wants. It's Burger King therapy. You, you could you could have it your way, whatever you want. You want to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. You want to be a tulip. We'll help you do that. You, you, that's fine. And that leads to uh, the cultural acceptance. You, then it just moves to music. It moves to um, um, uh, TV programs, uh, magazines, books. Uh, this 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 moving into the the educational system, public school system is just that 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 was the beginning of the '70s when it said it's no longer disorder. Wow. Dr. Duke, I, I know the U.S. bishops, right after the 2002 Dallas Commission uh, with the sexual scandals, that uh, <clears throat> Theodore McCarrick, uh, defrocked Theodore McCarrick, he was in charge of that commission, and he's the one that actually drafted the document that we're all bound by. Uh, my question is, a lot of bishops right after that, they, they were chiming in, and they were saying... That the reason this has happened in the Catholic Church, all these sexual predators, a lot of bishops were saying, it's because what we've we've basically abandoned God, we've 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 replaced theology, and and penance, and ascetical practices with psychiatry and psychology, and we listened to the experts and we got burned. <laughs> uh, any truth to that statement? Mea culpa maxima. <laughs> I, I have to agree. My colleagues, but not me, have really dropped the ball. I mean, again, when, when we just do whatever the patient wants, whatever society wants, whatever culture dictates to us, we become the pawns of, of, of socialism, of, of cultural Marxism, yep. of, of relative morality, where we just decide what is normal. And, and you have crazy instances where... People are, for example, trans blind. Trans blind? Oh, I right. have heard that. Trans, trans, um, plegic. Oh. I I was actually born to be paralyzed, so oh. make me paralyzed. It's just nonsense. Where people will, will dictate to the doctors what they want, what medications they want, and and again, doctors are people too. We want to be liked by our patients, and and when when patients are presenting, the, I heard this on the news or this this pharmacy ad. Uh, presented this medication. Can you give this to me? It's 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 tough to tell people. No, that's not what you need. This is what you need, and that's where we we get people who are who are doctors who have good good hearts and they want to do what's right, but also they want to just be friendly with the patient. They want to do what the patient wants, and they end up doing whatever the patient wants, and and that's just not the case of, of what we should be doing. And in psychiatry, we've done that. We've 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 kowtowed to society and and cultural norms, and this allowed. All sorts of things to be defined for us as being medically normal and as disease versus not disease. And we've allowed all sorts of things, atrocious things to occur. And that, and that is the problem that we have. And, that, and so I agree. Listening to psychiatry therapists who have become in some ways the 21st century warlocks or priests, cultural leaders of, of what is normal, what is healthy. 
but without God, it, that that's just a, a a very very bad deal. Amen to that, Doc. Yeah. This is a question that's been asked in the news for years: Are people born homosexual, and is their homosexual gene? As they like the left likes to claim, they said there's a homosexual gene. You got to understand that. What they, they actually say, gay gene. They don't say homosexual. I know. I say homosexual because I don't they, use the word gay. I'm gay. I'm yeah. happy. Right. They they never say they never say homosexual. Yep. So what is that? What are the facts on that, Doc? Doctor Dean Hammer, of the National Institutes of Health, in 1993 published his research, which was publicized throughout the world, Science Magazine. Yeah. It said. Region Q28 on the X chromosome mm-hmm. define homosexuality. But the problem was it was never replicatable. <laughs> no one ever did that study again. It was it, The study itself was contradicted by a Rice study. Yeah. But there was no correction. None of the publications that published it originally said, well, we made a mistake. Dean Hammer wasn't right. It was a debunked study. It had a lot of flaws, a lot of, a lot of bias. That is not the case. No one corrected it. And so this idea has been running for 30 years that there's a, there's a gay gene. Even now it's been changed after revelations that, that it was biased and flawed. <laughs> now they call it gene penetrance, or they call it um, epigenetic control. There are certain factors in the uterus, in the mother's stress milieu, in, in the placenta that leads to homosexuality. It's not the case. The studies have consistently shown it's about 11 to 14% of a monozygotic uh, of a monozygotic um, um, concordance, because mm-hmm. that's the best way to tell if something's genetic. You take two twins, identical twins, born in the same uterus, ba- same genetic material. If they both are homosexual all the time, then that would be a sign of sure. of of genetics. But it's only about eleven to fourteen percent, which is right on par with other things which we normally do not say are um, genetic, like stroke, yeah, like um, alcoholism like lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Those are really, really in the same area, and you never would say those things are genetic. It's, those are things that are, that, are, that are nurture as opposed to nature. Doc, let me jump in and just follow up and say, why are so many people saying that they're homosexuals? Is the culture that we're dealing with right now encouraging so many people to think that maybe, maybe I'm supposed to be a boy or maybe I'm supposed to be a girl? Is that affecting the numbers right now? Because we have a victim culture nowadays. There you go. You victim mentality wants attention. And yeah. we, want, we want to be treated well. We want to be treated with special gloves, kid gloves. And people want to be special. They want to be, I'm, I'm fluid or I'm asexual. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Oh, that's cool. That's a novelty. It's a yeah, fad. It's, it's like it. that, that one um, rapid, onset, rapid onset gender dysphoria. People, they, they saw like a 2,000% increase in people who thought they were kids who thought they were transgender uh, over the past 15 years because of this huge rise in reports of yeah. Chastity Bono and now Chaz Bono and all these different other the songs and the music and the culture. You always see it on, on TV. There's always got to be this one LGBT individual who's doing his thing. Every, everything, even Grey's Anatomy, you see all these shows, they always have someone who's out. And that just tells people, it's okay, look at this. These are special people. I want to be that way. I have some thoughts about it. And then it yep. just becomes more actively thinking about that way. That makes sense. Dr. Doctor Duke, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, as a result of what I've seen the last, uh, you know, three years since uh, the whole uh, 
Fauci scam the, and, and everything that's happened with the whole COVID-19 scandemic, pandemic, I think a lot of us really distrust the medical profession at this point. Yeah, you think? Now, my question is, um, in terms of psychiatry and psychology, I remember uh, Father Mitch Pacwa, he did a special on EWTN. It's called The Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. He said that, he says psychiatry, psychology, and sociology, that those soft sciences, he says it comes from the French Revolution. Now, my question is, um, do, do you purify the psychiatry and the psychology that you apply? Do you purify it with, with the Catholic faith, with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with, with, a, with, a, with a biblical worldview? Definitely. And that is the key. As Dostoevsky said, without God, everything becomes permissible. Amen. And if we bring God back to psychiatry, we bring God back to medicine, we, we get back to the core of what is normal, what is healthy, what is... What is what is what did God intend for us to be like? What is what are we supposed to be thinking and doing and acting like? Then we can make psychiatry again, once again, the the correcting factor to help people become mentally healthy. Wow. Or, well, like, or like Trump said, make psychi- make psychiatry great again. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show, our special guest, Dr. Anthony Duke, psychiatrist, giving us a lot of good answers. Again, we want you to contact him. We'll give you that information when we come back for a quick break. Stay with us here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Wow, Jesse, I'm enjoying this with Dr. Duke a lot, and we're going to have him on more often. Yeah, this is red, this is red meat uh, oh, yeah. for the intellect. Oh, yeah. And, Doc, how can people contact you again one more time, please? 909-588-9275 and metamorphicpsych at gmail.com. And if people get, can't get that, call me. Everybody has my cell number. I'll refer. I got your business card right here. Yes, let's continue, brother. Yeah, if any Catholic needs uh, to see a psychiatrist, this is the man to go to right here. Look no further. And thanks be to God that now we have Zoom and Skype. Yeah. Where you can, you know, you can see somebody halfway across the country or across yeah, the world. Were, yeah. Yep. So, uh, Dr. Duke, is uh, is mental illness a myth or is it a reality? Mental illness is a reality mm. because there is always a deviation from what is healthy. Just like okay. sin is a deviation for what God intends us to act as. And when there's a deviation from acceptance of reality, from doing what we should be, what is normal and healthy, then that is mental illness. And, and, and the, the problem of the crisis of psychiatry now, nobody knows what normal is. Nobody knows what illness <laughs> is. We, we keep changing it all the time. Crazy. What's crazy. What's next? What's next is going to be, I think, oh, you want to commit suicide? Let me help you. You want to be depressed? That's cool. You, you, that, that's that's fine. That's crazy. You, you want to hear voices? Okay, you have your own metaverse. You can do that all by yourself. You, you're okay. And that's not normal. No. That's not healthy. Doc, you're talking about changes in, in uh, the, the, the psychiatry. What about, uh, has the Hippocratic Oath been modernized from the original one that says you'll do no harm to your patient? Not, not that I uh, recall. Um, <laughs> I've I've seen it uh, a lot uh, the Hippocratic oath and it still mentions things which by the way we don't know we no longer use nowadays for example there's phrases in the Hippocratic oath where it says um, 
I must not play at God. My responsibility includes these related problems of a person's family and economic stability, and I am to care adequately for the sick. I will prevent disease whenever I can, if it is given me to save a life. These are things that we we all spoke of. And this is when I when I researched this just a few years back. That that is still the Hippocratic Oath, and that's the modern version. Mm-hmm. And so it still even mentions God, but now but the way we practice it, the the, the colleagues that I've seen, at least in psychiatry. We no longer see God involved anymore. Got it. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Duke, uh, what are some of the negative consequences of living out a homosexual lifestyle? In other words, it, just on a natural level, can you, can you make some arguments with a family member and a friend and share with them that their lifestyle breeds bad consequences bad health uh yeah yeah so what are some of the the bullets that we can share with family members or friends to show them just even on a natural level no scripture no 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 religious arguments that on a natural level there are some very negative consequences to the act of sodomy the centers of disease control has even said that the life expectancy for homosexuals is 20 years shorter. And that go. comes from psychological reports in 2005. Wow. The, stat- the stats on suicide in the United States in 2017, 14 people out of 100,000 committed suicide. But what is the rate of suicide for those with a psychiatric illness? 10 to 40 times as, as high. Wow. There you those go. Those are huge amounts because as much as people try to say, well, you guys don't accept me. Culture doesn't allow me to express myself. I'm not allowed to be LGBT. If I was, I wouldn't have these bad problems. But you look at gay-friendly Netherlands, you look at countries that have, that, that have wholesale accepted same-gender attraction and, and, and other uh, unnatural relationships, the suicide rate is still the same. Yeah. So social acceptance does not lead to the, the dissolving away of these existential problems, these, these coping skill factors, these, these issues of victimization, these, these abuses that lead to the people that we have who have LGBT issues. And, and that, that requires real therapy. As Dr. Nicolosi said, reintegrative therapy. Therapy where you safely explore why they are the way they are and offer them options. And if, by the way, they want to continue that option where they want to be uh, disordered, we then just refer them out. But um, we, we help people understand that there is a better way to live and we offer them the choices. So there's no force involved at all. It's got to be uh, volitional wanted therapy to, to help improve and grow in insight and, and, and self-improvement because it's not easy. That's why therapy is always called work. Yeah. Therapy Doc, is work. Doc, let me just add something. When we had um, AIDS we, uh, back in the 80s and everybody said we knew it was tied in with homosexuality, so many uh, doctors that were saying we need to shut down these baths, we need to shut down areas where homosexuality is being uh, exercised. And when the monkeypox just came out this past year, and we know that most people who have monkeypox are getting it from same-sex... From sodomy. From sodomy. But we're having the same situation. Nobody wants to tell these men that you shouldn't be having sex with men. But it just seems like uh, we can't tell people the truth. And it seems to me that as a Catholic, it's what our Lord said. It's the truth that sets us free. What is it? What? Why are we so afraid to tell people who are living a, a lifestyle that's bad for them mentally, physically, uh, and spiritually? What's the What's the issue here? 
the same issue that psychiatrists have in not being able to tell people the truth. We want to make friends. We want, we want to get along. We want Terrible. to have people like us. But unfortunately, sometimes I tell people, I am a professional prick. I will, I will irritate you. I will tell you things you don't want to hear. I like but, that. but I'd rather hurt you yeah. with the truth of course. than comfort you and, and hold your hand and tell you lies. You're my kind of guy. Yeah. And, and it's going to hurt. But who else is going to tell you these things? Amen. If, not, if not this guy. I'm the last vanguard of reality for many people. I tell people wow. that's normal. That's not normal. And if, if, if we falter on that, and then we have, yes. we have this huge mass, mass of confusion that, that leads out from... Um, from mental health uh, research that, that just makes people worse. Yeah, got it. Doctor, what actually happened in 1973 in relation to homosexual political act- activism? That seems to be uh, a he defining year. Yeah. yeah, Frank Kamini, he and his group of activists, they stormed uh, the early APA meetings. They were, they were cussing, they were intimidating people. They, they forced votes with only 15 minutes of rebuttal time provided. Wow. And back then, again, psychiatrists, we, 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 we tend to want to love and, and help and accompany and, and, and assist. They weren't tough enough to tell, no, this is not right. This, this is not grounded science based on morality. And they just caved. And, and Kamini and his group and the activists, they just pushed through. Like, for example, they, they, they presented evidence that, hey, look, most of the APA agrees that homosexuality should not be a disorder. And they, they gave out these questionnaires and they, they utilized that letterhead and they just told people, this is what everybody else thinks. What do you think? And everybody was just isolated. And oh, yeah, okay, well, I agree. Because they all want to get along. And so they were, everybody just got strong-armed into accepting that it was not a disorder. And then later on, research kept on trying to, to support that. They yeah. had this continuity of accepting what was already passed. And then, of course, you had Robert Spitzer who, who defined it as, well, it's a disorder if the patient thinks it's a disorder. That's how the ego dystonic homosexuality. Oh but then God. even then later on, that became removed. Now we have this sense of internal homophobia. Well, you think it's a disorder, but that's just your internal homophobia. You have to learn to accept it and just stop going to that, that church or stop talking to your, your family that tells you it's wrong because it's not wrong. Wow. And so gradually, we just everybody wants to get along. Everybody wants to just push the, push the idea that... Um, Whatever you want to do is fine. This idea that your conscience is the highest, you know, yeah. as, as we Catholics know from Vatican II, sure. your conscience is the highest thing. Yeah. If you think it's okay, then it's okay. But that, that's what led to this, this early thing in the, in the 70s where gradually psychiatry just became this, this, um, this idea where whatever you want to be considered normal is normal. Doc, let me jump in and talk about fear, the last part of this show. We have a culture right now. I see people wearing masks when they're riding their bike alone out on the track behind my house. I'm like, what the heck are they doing? Why, what has fear done psychologically to our culture? For the youth, for kids, a horrible thing. Yeah. Eric, Eric Erickson, as you both, yeah, uh, you both educated men know, yeah. founded these eight stages of life. Mm-hmm. And the first stage is so very important. It's, is the world safe? Can I trust certain people? Am I able to explore and do things? And if you live in a culture where you're born and up to two, three years old, you have this sense of we have to wear masks or don't touch that person. Oh, Aunt Sally's going to give you COVID. Oh, oh you can't go to the, your friend's <laughs> house. You're going to grow up not trusting. And that, that ability to swim with your family members and, and realize I can go a little bit further because daddy or mommy's going to save me if I go further. If I go too far and I can't make it, that is no longer allowed. And now it's inhibited. Oh, fear stops the risk taking and as we know in the investment world for example 
no risk, no gain. Amen. And and if you don't risk your life for the sake of God, you know, as to to live as Christ is to die as gain. Yes. Then you're not going to live a, a bold life, and and that leads to in, inhibition, a, a stunting of growth. Makes sense to me. Yes. Wrap it up. Yeah, uh, doctor. To, to me, I think one of the big problems in in, in modern psychology and psychiatry is that they, I, I think the secularists, they view people, we're just kind of a hodgepodge of, uh, you know, protoplasm and, 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 and uh, you know, veins and sinews. And, and, and they just see us as just, uh, you know, uh, body parts. Where the Catholic view of the human person sees the person as a body-soul composite. And a lot of the problems have to be dealt with healing the soul of the person and i think i I, I, correct me if i'm wrong but i think here was was modern psychology because they don't recognize the the, a soul it's just it's just something that's supernatural yeah they don't and so i think that's that's a flaw in modern psychology they they avoid the supernatural or they reject the supernatural they have an anti-supernatural bias everything has a natural solution or rational answer I'm a hind in my studies, but I'm trying to get through Taylor Marshall's um, Aquinas and 50 pages. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. trying to get back to those sources that there is a God. There is a watchmaker. Yes. There is an origin for why we are uh, the way we are. That helps us to understand that there is more than just the body. There is the, the soul, the spirit, and that's where healing that is very important. And uh, the idea, even uh, uh, every single psychiatrist, Carl Jung, for example, he said at the core of every psychological problem, is a spiritual issue. Well said. Mm. Dr. Duke, you can contact him at 909-588-9275, metaphorphic at gmail.com. I, we're going to have him back again, folks. You can count yeah. on that. Jesse, your final thought. Yeah. Uh, can't, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, family of God, live in a state of grace, don't yep. live in a state of mortal sin. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's a good prayer for depression. It's called the serenity prayer. Oh, yeah. Pray it often. Also, the Divine Mercy Prayer at the end. It's also a prayer to fight depression and stress. The the the, cl- the concluding prayer to the Divine Mercy. Uh, Terry, be holy or die trying. Amen. And won't forget Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them. Will you make those sacrifices for the salvation of souls? Please say yes. Remember, if souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. Thanks again for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And may God richly bless you and your family.